0: All right, a little levels to kick off the third hour of First Up here on TSN 1050. A.K. and Coco with you. We'll talk to Mike Kelly from Sport Logic. What a great track in about 30 minutes' time. Chuck Swirsky. Chuck Swirsky on the show man. at 9.15. Bringing the salami cheese.
1: Onions, baby
0: onions, man. So many great calls from Chuck Swirsky over the years when he was with the Raps. Now with the Bulls. It is the Raptors and the Bulls tonight. Big game for both teams. I mean, Chicago Mm -hmm. desperately needs a win, and the Raptors in a similar spot. They are battling with Chicago and Washington for the much-desired 10th spot in the Eastern Conference, so they can get in the play-in, which is great for everybody involved. But I think everybody in Toronto, and I guess by extension they were in Seattle last night where the Maple Leafs, talking about the Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty trade. Toronto... Moving out more draft picks, Joey Anderson, your personal favorite, Pavel Gogolev on the move. They are now Blackhawks, and McCabe and Lafferty are Maple Leafs. And what a way to join the team if you are um, Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty. You fly to Seattle, you take in a Springsteen concert with the entire Maple Leafs team, have you ever been to a concert with like an entire hockey team before? Is that something that Not is that common? I, can recall, like, no. I guess they would just get a box at Climate Pledge well, Arena. To oh, see absolutely, that's
1: awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know me; I was never a big concert guy. Um, the one thing I did do as a team was, you know, we were taught concert-wise. Garth Brooks was a really good friend of uh, Kelly Chase, and he actually threw a private. Um, I wouldn't say concert, but a private outing for us where it was at a golf course. Um, it was organizationally, it was the wives, the girlfriends, the, you know, the, the management and, and their family and stuff. And it was in the banquet hall in the golf course. And he came in and put on an hour show for us, singing music, getting people up, you know, singing alongside. It was actually like spectacular, the show that he put on. Uh, but, Yeah, I mean, I've gone to sporting events with, with, you know, different players on the team as a team, but can never say I was a a guy that dragged along for a concert. But I I definitely would have entertained going to a Bruce Springsteen concert. I mean, that guy's a legend. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know?
0: I, I think back to to Johnny Drama's birthday, where they go to the U2 concert in oh, yeah, Entourage.
1: Funny. And uh, I'm yeah. sure
0: that's what uh, Jake McCabe was like celebrating. Maybe he got a shout out from Springsteen's, like, there's Jake McCabe in the crowd, Sam Lafferty, you <laughs> know, you're Toronto Maple Leafs. Congratulations. Well, I, I'm sure that, you know, the, the fellas were excited to take in the concert last night, but also excited to get, get out of Chicago, a team that is dismal, having a horrible season, and joining a team in the Toronto Maple Leafs that are. Full steam ahead. And, of course, Mm -hmm. the Ryan O'Reilly-Nolachari trades. Was that two weeks ago now? Maybe a little bit less. It's been uh, a whirlwind here for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And now they bring in Jake McCabe, a guy who's probably going to play top four minutes for the Maple Leafs in the final 20 regular season games into the postseason. His salary is 50% retained as well, meaning he's making $2 million for this year and for the next two years. So some very, very shrewd maneuvering from Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs. And I think there's a lot of people, Coco, wondering, much like myself, were, was this move for McCabe and Lafferty influenced by what Tampa did, bringing in Janot from Nashville, and what Boston did, bringing in Orlov and Hathaway from Washington? And Kyle Dubas answered that question yesterday.
2: For us, it, I mean, we, it was neither of those really affected we were doing this talk with Chicago it had been going on even before the uh, the Boston deal. So uh, and it was you know nearly at the finish line or essentially over the finish line last night when the Tampa Bay uh, Nashville deal came down. So we're we're just we have to focus on ourselves and worry about ourselves and and know it's going to be really tough. Like we've been through it before. We know that that these are elite elite competitors and at this moment um, you know it's it's in, on both uh, sides of the, the of this format in the East you're going to have two teams that are in the top six uh, if, it, if it finishes this way playing in the first round, which is great for the fans. Uh, but it's it's really tough when you're competing, and and uh, but I think we relish it, and I think we need it. Actually, I don't I don't think we we uh, of, of all teams should be embracing it and being ready to go for it.
0: I think that's spot on. Embrace you yes. can only play
1: who you can play, right? I mean, yeah, it's spot on. And you know what he's doing? He's welcoming it head on, because he's basically saying, we know with this format, we played these guys last year, we're gonna play him again. We lost last year, so what are we doing to better give ourselves a better chance to win? Well, clearly, with the moves that they've made, they've addressed certain areas that are going to hopefully give them a better chance to win. I mean, we've talked about it at length. The Colorado blueprint that they used to win the Stanley Cup last year. They bring in three pieces plus a piece that they added before the deadline with Nico Sturm it was um Lekinen, Manson Lekkinen, Cogliano Cogliano yeah. and Nico Sturm and you just look at the pieces that the Maple Leafs added pretty similar top four defensemen top six forward two bottom six guys and i think Dubas touched on it best um you know uh, let's hear him talk about The addition, the additions that these guys are making and how that changes their identity going into the playoffs.
2: Well, that's what we've tried to do, Jonas. I mean, it, there's no, there's no, uh, no reason for us to, to really beat around it. We we've, we've wanted to become uh, more competitive. Uh, Sam makes us faster as well up front, um, while maintaining the group that we have, and we didn't want to deplete from our, our actual prospects that are already in the system. Um, but that's been the whole the the goal here. Something we feel like in those big moments that we've we've needed and and uh, maybe we've lacked a little bit of is to just kind of push us over the top. Of the thing about all three of the fours that it requires that they they've also have proven, you know, Sam more so this year alone than in previous, but with Noel and obviously with, with Ryan that they can they can score and they can score in, in tight of the net where we're gonna have to find a way and where we haven't found a way in, in key moments in the past. So that's that was sort of the goal.
1: That was the key right there, where we haven't found key moments in the past. And look, say what you want about Dubis, but he has evolved as a GM he is listening and he is learning. And whether it's he's listening to people like us that talk about it or he's learning just from watching, it's evident that the difference between the Maple Leafs winning and losing series of the past, well, I shouldn't say winning series because they haven't won any, but losing series in the past is in big games they have never gotten a big goal from somebody other than their top players. And that's what he's trying to address. He's trying to better his bottom six so that somebody in that bottom six can come up with a big goal in a big game in the series that could ultimately be the difference. Because it's always gone against them. You look at the big games they've played. It's somebody other than their top players that are scoring a big goal in those moments that the Maple Leafs haven't had. Does Achari make that happen? Does Lafferty make that happen? Does Yarncroft make that happen? Does Ryan O'Reilly make
0: that happen? Does Ryan O'Reilly make that happen? And that and that's the question. And Kyle has done a great job of supplementing his roster without removing anything from the roster yet. Could happen mm-hmm. still today, maybe maybe on Thursday, maybe who knows? But um, there could be a, a subsequent move where they have to clear the the salary cap space to become cap-compliant. But I think what Dubis has accomplished here is not parting with any of his top prospects. Matthew Nyes hasn't been traded. And we haven't Fraser even talked Minton about that, AK. Hasn't been traded yet. Ma- Matthew Nyes could very well become a Maple Leaf as well. But, but I think my ultimate point is, and this was something sent to me by Greg Brady, our buddy, Coco, how the Maple Leafs now have four draft picks in the first four rounds of the next three drafts. And Greg went back and looked at the second and third round picks made by the Maple Leafs from 2003 to 2018. 34 second and third round picks made in that 15-year span. Two played 100 games as a Leaf. Two for 34. And those two were Nikolai Kuhlman and Travis Dermott. And I think what this says, and we'll play the Julian block clip in just a moment, the GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning is the perceived value of these draft picks as far as actually making them is a lot different than trading them because right. you know, often can get a lot more in a trade of a second round pick for look look at Winnipeg they bring in Nino Niederreiter a guy who's going to play perhaps in their top 6 is that better than a guy who has 25% chance of playing in the NHL? Right. I'd say so it's pretty obvious so Perceived value versus actual value. And you have value. to
1: wait two or three years to see if he actually turns not, into something. If not longer.
0: Man, Nick yeah. Robertson was a great second-round pick that the Leafs have made. Perfect He's barely example. played for them. So, you know, the, the idea of perceived value is something that Julian Brisbois, the GM of Tampa, addressed yesterday in reference to the trade he made for Tanner
1: Janot. At the end of the day, I know there's a perceived value of those picks, but we have a really good idea of what the actual value of those picks are. Individually you can go, what's that first round pick, what's the second round pick and so forth and so on. And when we look at what that's worth to us, based on the odds of those picks turning into good NHL players down the road, I'd rather have the good player right now for this season and next and help this group win uh, right now. Because I know what the odds are of those picks turning into players. I also know what the odds of those picks turning into, into players that can help us win while we have this group of players right now in their prime, ready to go for another long run. The odds of that are zero. None of those picks so, were going to help. None of the players we're going to draft with those picks are going to help us win this year or next.
0: So, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Julian Breeze, the GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and Kyle Dubas, the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, are... In very similar frames of mind, as far as how they're looking at the trade deadline and looking at the draft picks, which may or may not have value for them. But you know what mm-hmm. does have value? Bringing in Ryan O'Reilly, bringing in Tanner Janot, bringing in Jake McCabe. I can guarantee you these guys will be playing and making impacts for, for both the Tampa Bay Lightning and for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's how you got to look at it. You don't, yeah. you don't have a, an infinite amount of time to be competitive in the National Hockey League when. You have an opportunity to go in the playoffs and compete against a juggernaut like the Tampa Bay Lightning for the Leafs, or on the other side, a team like Tampa is looking at Toronto and being like, man, these guys are hungry this year. You know, they took us to seven games. It was right there. Could have gone either way in game seven. I think both organizations are looking at it the right way, and I don't think this is a draft schmaft type thing, but it's a, I think Breezeball laid it out perfectly, what the perceived value is versus the actual value is.
1: And these two teams are living in reality, not some fantasy world. It's like the great saying that I've used to always live by live for today, live for today because tomorrow is never guaranteed. Right. And it's the same way you should evaluate or at least observe what is being said about draft picks is that, you know, breezeball said it best we know what we have with this group and with this group that we have we're going to be competitive as long as they're together because they're locked up here long term so every year we're going to look at making the team better with the group that we have regardless of what it costs now what does that do for their group next year when they need to make a trade they'll probably trade twenty twenty seven picks who knows but They worry about that when it comes. And the other thing that you have to understand, too, is when you build a winning culture, you give yourself an advantage because players on the market would choose you because of the advantage that they're going to gain coming to play there for a lesser role and cheaper money. And that's what the Tampa Bay Lightning are banking on. That's what the Toronto Maple Leafs have been doing for the last four or five years with the way they've constructed their salaries with their top players. It's, okay, we know what our top players are going to be in our top six. Do we do we bring in minor league guys, or do we go out in the free agent market and sign bargain guys to come in here and play for the cheap that fill a defined role? Yes, that's how the way you're going to have to construct yourself moving forward, which is why when you're living in the now and you don't know what tomorrow is, is is is, is going to bring because it's not, never guaranteed. Well, your window, hey, you know what? We've got a great team right now. Let's give ourselves the best chance to win now because next year, we don't know what this roster is going to look like. Next year, we don't know how healthy we're going to be. Next year, we don't know how many lucky bounces we're going to get. We don't know how many games we're going to win. So it's, it's, the, it's the appropriate approach. It's, the rewar- it's supposed to be the rewarding approach, but you've got two... Elite teams in the league they are going to meet each other in the first round, one team's going to win, one team's going to lose. Put yourself in the best position to be the winner, and I think that's what Kyle Dubas did.
0: Yeah, spot on. And I think that's what New Jersey and the Rangers and eventually Carolina will do as well because those teams are in the exact same situation. They're going to be playing another excellent hockey team in the first round of the playoffs. And all you can do is put yourself in the best position to succeed. And I think for the Maple Leafs in particular, that's exactly what has transpired to this point. We'll talk to Mike Kelly from the NHL Network and Sport Logic in about 15 minutes' time. We'll get his thoughts on the trade and how the Maple Leafs stack up with teams like Tampa and the Boston Bruins and the Rangers and the Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes, the class of the Eastern Conference. And we'll welcome back our producer Cheese for a little bit of a trade deadline report card so far. And report cards, a very nasty word in my household because mine were filled with C's and D's. And for you, Coco Fs. <laughs> actually, no, you were a 95% uh, student in grade 13. So 95 average, I, buddy. I don't, a 95
1: average. Didn't I don't go to grade 13, grade 13, man. Didn't go to I grade I don't know. How, I, guess your, I guess your teachers were big fans of the Erie Otters. That's my thinking. No, I actually had to make up extra classes so I could graduate. So I actually worked extra harder. <laughs> sure. Okay, whatever you say. I'll do some report cards on
0: their side. Mike Kelly and Chuck Swirsky coming up. Jam packed third hour. Next.
3: Oh, great song. Who sings this song, Chrissy?
0: Soldier Boy. Nice. I thought he only had one song, but apparently he has two. We're back on first stop. We'll talk to Mike Kelly from Sport Logic and NHL Network about the deal that the Toronto Maple Leafs made yesterday, bringing in Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty. Uh, Into the fold. The Leafs taking on the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow night. 8 o'clock puck drop, which is very palatable for you and I, Coco. We can deal with an 8 o'clock puck drop. Not too late. 9 o'clock could be a little bit problematic, but we're good with 8. And we're also good with our man Cheese. And you know, he's got some tons of different ideas for segments, all types of stuff. And he wanted us to give out some grades to this point for NHL teams leading up to the trade deadline. So, geez, who are we talking about? And Coco and I have to get our grading pencils out. Is that what they're called? I don't know.
4: <laughs> that Sure, that works. Um, grading so pencils. I, so let's, let So let's start with the most recent deal. The Leafs acquired Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty, plus a couple of conditional fifths. The main thing going back is a first-round pick and a second-round pick uh, back to the Blackhawks. So, so how would you grade this trade for each team here? I think
1: if you've got to say the Maple Leafs, this is an A for sure. I would even go as high as A+, plus because you acquire two players that fit a need for you. And, and and I think it's safe to say one of two of Chicago's better players this season. I mean, Jake McCabe was the only player on their roster that was a plus player, and we'll talk to Mike Kelly uh, coming up here at eight eight thirty from uh, Sports Logic, and he'll help us dive into a little more the impact that Jake McCabe has when he's on the ice compared to when he's off the ice um, and playing on a team like Chicago. And then Lafferty, you know, he's having a breakout season and playing in your bottom six got 11 goals in the season and I think the best part about this deal is they got Jake McKay for the next two years for half the salary you got a top four defenseman for two million dollars for the next two years and all it cost you was a first and second round pick to do it and two minor league players like I don't know that's how much better does it get than that
0: Oh, that That's an A. I, I'm totally with you. From Chicago, though, that is a D. I mean, what are you doing, Kyle Davidson? That seems like a very, very small return on a guy like McCabe who was definitely sought after around the NHL, and the fact that they retained $2 million a year in addition to that, and gave up Lafferty as well, and you were only able to recoup a first and a second. You're giving up McCabe and Lafferty, who have term left on their deals. That's what teams around the NHL want, cost-controlled assets, guys who can contribute in a variety of ways. McCabe plays both the left side and the right side. He's a versatile defenseman. Lafferty can do a bunch of different things for you, too. I mean, an A for the Leafs, a D for the Blackhawks.
4: Let's go to the Leafs' division rivals. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they acquired Tanner Janot for, from the Nashville Predators for Cal Foot, a first-round pick, and four more draft picks. So what grade are you giving this one, guys?
1: Well, clearly this is an A-plus for Nashville because they got six assets back for a player that played in their bottom six. I mean, you're talking about a, a young defenseman that could potentially play maybe in your middle pair, and a first- to fifth-round pick. I mean, probably one of the biggest uh, returns in any trade we've seen so far for a single player. Not probably. It is. Sure. Definitely. it is. Definitely. It is. So it's definitely an A++ for Nashville. I think for for Tampa Bay, look, I'm not going to sit here and criticize anything Tampa Bay done. This is a team that's won two of the last three Stanley Cups. It's been the three Stanley Cup finals. And one thing I give them a lot of credit for is when they when they identify a player they really want, they don't stop at anything to make sure they get them, regardless of what the price is. So, for that reason and that reason alone, I'm going to give them an A for this. Really, team. an yes. A for Tampa. You see that the, the
0: Tanner Janot part of this whole equation—it's so weird because last year he scored 24 goals, right? And there's all the metrics, and we'll ask Mike Kelly about it. Like he was shooting, I think, close to 20%. This year he's shooting five percent and has five goals in 56 games so which one is it is Geno the guy who is the fortunate scorer a guy who can fill the net in a third line role very little power play eat five on five be a dominant force in that respect or is he the player this year who hasn't really been producing very much i'm not sure but i think tampa is certainly hoping it's the it's the former and not the latter because if so woo, that is a tough one and it, there have been some reports that tampa wants to sign him long term and if they could lock him up long-term at a reasonable number, much like they did with Nick Paul last year, maybe the deal will make a little bit more sense. But I'm going to give Tampa a C-plus on the wow. no-trade. Nashville an A. But that's subject to change. I mean, grades can be altered. Listen, I'm an instructor at Centennial College. I go back, and if I'm like, you know what? That was actually a much better assignment than I recalled. I'm going to go back and alter the deal. The same thing I could do in the first up report cards.
4: Let's go to the New Jersey Devils. They acquired Timo Meyer and defenseman Scott Harrington for a a package of prospects and then a first-round draft pick as well as another conditional first-round draft pick. What's the deal, guys? What grade are you giving out now? So I'm giving
1: the San Jose Sharks a B-plus because... You know, say what you want about them not acquiring New Jersey's any of New Jersey's top prospects, but what they did is they acquired three of their second-tier prospects. You know, I think Zetterlin's a really good player. You know, you talk about Mahak Madulin. Oh, your pronunciation. Did I did I nail that one? Did I don't I know, but one? it sounds good. It sounds yeah. good. And they got a first-round pick, right? So clearly, they've they've decided that they're going to rebuild, and those are maybe some nice pieces. That can help fill that void. For New Jersey, I'm giving them a B plus Because, you know, they get the player in Timo Meyer, But there's still no assurance that they're going to resign him. So unless this thing comes with a contract extension, it's a boatload to be giving up for a guy that might not be there for the long term. If he's there for the long term, this gets accelerated to an A+. Yes. Plus because, obviously... You, you talk about the fit for those type of players like Heischer and and Hughes being the center Aceman there. You're talking about a 30-plus goal scorer on the wing that plays the, plays like a power forward. I mean, it doesn't come any better than that.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you with New Jersey's grade. You've got to wait to see if Timo Meyer signs long-term. I mean, if he's, they got to trade him in the off season or something with the restricted free agency, it might alter my grade, but I think it's safe to say that's going to be an A for both sides. Because I think that's a deal that really makes sense for both San Jose and New Jersey. On the subject of grades, 20 fingers pointing out, Coco, that our former intern, Fun Tony, who was one of my students at Centennial, I remember he came up to me and was like, did you mean to give me this grade? And I looked at it, I gave him an 8%, and I just missed the zero on the other side. So (laughs) he's like, I got an 8 (laughs) and <laughs> i mean, now I'm supposed to be 80, Fun Tony. So, although you know, we miss that guy. We got to get him back around here. I mean, we fun are, Tony we're was one the of your on the morning show. Oh yeah, dude. Oh, everybody, wow. Nick McVicker, Slick Nick, one of my students. Wow. Uh, Twenty Fingers, one of my students. No, he's, no. Uh, Bill Hayes was uh, was uh, Brian Hayes' dad was uh was Chris D'Avero's No teacher, way. So, yeah, wow. small, world, small world. Small world. Yes, oh, Bill please. Hayes is a legend, no doubt. As is Mike Kelly, our next guest. He will join us on the other side from the NHL Network and SportLogic. Chuck Sworsky standing by in about 40 minutes. More First Up after this. So we've been breaking down the big deal made by the Toronto Maple Leafs all morning long. Back on First Up, Aaron Korolnik and Carlo Koliakova. We have Chris Johnston on. Coco, you and I have been breaking it down. Your Former teammate in Buffalo, Jake McCabe, now a Maple Leaf, with Sam Lafferty coming aboard. Of course, O'Reilly and Nolachari as well. A couple of weeks ago, big moves by the Toronto Maple Leafs. How does Mike Kelly view them? He, from the NHL Network, from Sport Logic, specializing in analytics, kind enough to join us this morning. What's going on, Mike?
3: Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's um, I guess the trade deadline was on Sunday. <laughs> so that was a fun day. Um, Wait a minute. Then how did, the, I, how
1: did the Leafs make their deal yesterday, then, if the trade deadline was Sunday?
3: Well, a lot of big one Sunday. Yesterday, too. But uh, I always think about, you know, you guys and, and Duffy and everyone on Friday. <laughs> Um, you might need the Llamas again because a lot of big names off the board already.
0: <laughs> the Llamas. I do hope they have yeah. some kind of plan in place. I'm sure there's oh, they something will. percolating. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, you know, the way things have been trending, not so good for Trade Center, but great if you're a fan of hockey. Great, Mike, if you're a fan yeah. of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, these are big moves here. O'Reilly and Acharya, we know what they can bring. We've seen it. What do you think McCabe and Lafferty bring to the Toronto Maple
3: Leafs? I think it brings some of what Toronto uh, needs. I, I really like it, and you know what? I I haven't always said that about every move uh, made by the Leafs, and, and certainly at the deadline and all that. But it's hard it's hard to to look at this and, and not see just you know solid upgrades uh, across the board. We we know what O'Reilly's been doing. Nolachari, I thought right away, um, sneaky sneaky good get as just a depth guy who's kind of disruptive and. You know Sam Lafferty's that as well. He's he's really fast. Like I'm talking, probably top fifth percentile in the league in terms of just skating speed among forwards. Uh, it makes him good on the penalty kill. He's got some shorties this year, so just another luxury for Sheldon Keith to have at his disposal. Um, use him how he wants to, and obviously McCabe's the big one. And you know I, I was looking at this a few days ago of just who they could use on the blue line uh, and what they need and. Nick Jensen somebody I liked a lot in Washington. Uh, good puck recovery skills, get it out, those kind of things, as well as being good defensive. But Jake McCabe really fits, I think, what they need. And, you know, Carlo, you know this, obviously. You're, you're going into a playoff series. It's going to be Toronto-Tampa. And we know what Tampa wants to do to Toronto. I think the template to beat Toronto, um, if you're a coach, you're looking at that, the bottom-pairing defense and saying, let's hammer these guys. Let's, let's get up behind them and hammer them and make them turn the puck over. Um, playoffs years past, critical moments. There have been those turnovers that have led to goals against that have really bit Toronto. And McCabe does not turn the puck over. He's physical. Uh, He makes a good first pass. He can get it out. Checks a lot of really important boxes, I think.
1: Mike, does the concern of Jake McCabe being a left-handed shot really hurt the Maple Leafs here? Because you would have thought that maybe the right-handed a shot defenseman would have been something they would have desired, but he's a guy that's shown that can play both sides. But the fact that he's not actually right-handed, do you think that limits their, you know, what it is that they were trying to accomplish?
3: Um, So, you know, like I said, when I was looking at this, that's why I kind of keyed on Jensen um, being a righty. I I don't think so, though. Like Brody can play both sides, Fikade both sides. Um, Apples, you know, if you could kind of have your your pick in a, a magical world here, Um, they'd probably make Jake McCabe a right shot, but uh, I don't think it really matters that much.
1: That's fair. That's fair. What about Lafferty and where do you think he fits? Is he going to be a third line guy? You know, is he going to be used as a center or a winger? Where do you think is his best fit with this Maple Leafs group?
3: Um, So I'm just kind of following along on the cap implications and where things sit now. I think the Leafs have to still make another move or two to get this all working, right? And yeah. it, it depends if they move somebody out, if they move out a roster player, they, Kerfoot's been rumored or Engball or whatever it is, that probably all comes into picture a little clear. Um, I think they're pretty set down the middle with, with the Chari and, and camp and O'Reilly and Matthews. And I mean, you got Tavares on the wing already. Mm. Lafferty could play the fourth line center role. Sure. Um, I don't know how much wing he's played, but um, they, again, it gives Sheldon keep options. And I think, you know, I've talked to coaches in the past and, that word comes up all the time, like options. It's great to have options, and mm-hmm. and Sheldon keeps got, you know, more than you can probably uh, dream about. We heard him talk when they got O'Reilly and Acharya. And it's just having trouble sleeping, trying to think about all the different ways they could use these guys. So <laughs> uh, sleep will be harder to come by now.
0: Our guest is Mike Kelly from the NHL Network and Sport Logic. The McCabe Lafferty trade, Mike, wasn't that? debated as far as the assets given up by the toronto maple leafs to bring those guys in but the tanner Janot trade made the day before certainly was i think everybody around the hockey world was surprised with how much tampa gave up to bring him in do you have a different viewpoint on Janot considering what he's done this year versus last season where he was much better
3: i do um because I don't think it's as clear-cut as saying he was so much better last season. Uh, obviously, if you look at the numbers, right, he had, I think, 24 goals. Um, and I was looking at this the other day, just going through 56 games last year and where he was at this year through 56, uh, which is where he is. And, yeah, it goes from 18 goals to 5. All right? His shooting percentage goes from, you know, 20-something percent to uh, single digits. He's still getting to the front of the net, which is where he's going to score his goals. At the same rate, he's still shooting the puck at the same rate. Uh, he was off by two shots and all the things that I think really matter for Julian Breeze John Cooper his puck recovery skills, his battle skills, um, his disruptive ability playing that role that he can play so well, that power forward role. It's as good or better than last year. So I'm not worried about Tanner's, you know, at all. And if you follow Tampa Bay, I don't think it should be shocking what they gave no. up to get him. Um, Look at what they've done in the past. They've given up multiple first-rounders for players that you're like, why? And then yeah. you watch them win cups and get to cup finals. <laughs> they've been three years in a row. <laughs> Julian Brisewell said it, I think, yesterday, right? Yeah. Was talking about draft picks and the value of them and how they don't bring any value to this team right now. They have a window with star players in their primes we're trying to win cups. And it's not like this is just a, a template that we're wondering if it'll work. They've been to three straight cup finals. Yeah. So... Uh. Yeah, you give it up. You get Tanner. You know, I look at that bottom six now: Colton, Paul, Geno, Perry, Belmar, Maroon. Again, what do you think you're trying to do when you're playing Toronto in the first round? Those guys are going to be dumping and trying to drill guys and cause turnovers and being disruptive. And Geno, maybe the best guy out there you could find to help them do that.
1: Well, I'm glad you talked about uh, Toronto-Tampa Bay because I'd love for you to analyze this matchup now. You've seen the Maple Leafs make improvements. They lose in Game 7 last year. How much closer have the Maple Leafs come to beating a Tampa team in a seven-game series?
3: I, th- I think they're closer. And, look, it was a one-goal it was a one goal loss in Game 7, right? It doesn't get any closer than that to begin with. But um, I, I'm going to go deeper into this before we get to the playoffs. I'm just starting to kind of look... At this matchup i here's what I'm really interested in, so I talked about Toronto and and you know forcing guys into turnovers because the least want to make a play almost all the time right with the puck and and sometimes there's not that time to do it. they don't love going off the glass and out. I think teams have exploited that a bit in the past. you look at Tampa Bay and this surprised me when I first saw this but i I look at um, goals against and chances against off of turnovers, so you know within five seconds of a turnover, how many chances and goals are you giving up and anaheim's given up the most goals that doesn't surprise anyone columbus the second most Tampa's tied with columbus for the second most turnovers within five seconds uh, or sorry goals against within five seconds of a turnover i start watching them a lot of these are on the walls a lot of these are on the goal line i think toronto's recipe for success might be similar to tampa's of winning those wall battles winning pucks behind the net getting it out in front for those quick looks um and so you see toronto go out and get Nola Chari, and a fast Sam Lafferty who can play physical. And you see Tampa go out and get Tanner's. You know, like, the star power is there on both sides. We all know that. I, I mm-hmm. think in a lot of ways this is all going to saw itself off. And then you get to the bottom six and the bottom pairing defense, and that's where we're seeing these two teams start to uh, make sure that they're as sound there as they can be. Um, because I, I won't be surprised, given how close this series should be, if those critical plays that that I just talked about are ones that you end up looking back on and being like, yep, that's how that goal was scored and that's how that game ended.
0: Mike, we saw McDavid score twice last night. The Oilers lose 3-2 to the Boston Bruins. No shame in that. The Oilers taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night at home. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on how you believe that Edmonton should proceed here ahead of the deadline. Do they need a bona fide top-four D-man, or do you think maybe they can get through the playoffs in the West, not exactly the most imposing conference, without a big addition ahead of the
3: deadline? Yeah, I think they need that defenseman. Um, I've said it all along. I think Jacob is the perfect fit on the left side. You put him behind Darnell Nurse, you slide Brett Kulak down. Um, you got Broberg, who's played really well, and maybe that's been part of the decision of of why they haven't done it or might not do it. Um, But I think in addition to getting a guy like Chikrin, who is such a great skater and and produces a lot of offense and is not terrible defensively, if people think that, um, is that it alleviates some pressure from Darnell Nurse offensively and, and overall. You'll probably get more out of Darnell at the same time if you do something like that. So I said that exact
1: think, same thing last week, Mike. I said I said, Do you want the you want to improve your defense? Get Nick get Darnell nurse to play better and focus just on playing defense. Go get somebody that can help alleviate just taking the offensive pressure away from him because he's at his best when he's beating up guys in front of the net, being hard to play against, and mm-hmm. just just focusing on defense. I just feel like the contract and him having to produce at that rate might be catching up to him.
3: Well, he's been asked to do a ton, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. I think I'm glad that, that you agree, um, and I'm with you on that. So that's what I, like, I, I don't I saw on Twitter once, I think it was Shohei Ohtani, right? Someone met a tweet of, like, you know, Ohtani pitches eight, scoreless innings and hits three home runs and the angels lose six to two or whatever. Um, it's kind of like the McDavid. It's like, Oh, he scores four points and (laughs) you know, they lose. Um, and the other thing, you know, somebody put this to me and I thought it was so well said, we're talking about the cost of, 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 acquiring players. If you're the Oilers and what you need to do, in a pretty open West, um, and making a run at this thing. And they said, you know, what's the cost of not doing it? Maybe that's greater. Because yeah, McDavid and Settle, they're, they're in, what, years seven, eight, nine? these guys. Um, they're in their primes. This team is pretty capable. Stuart Skinner, you know, he's, he's, he's going to be their guy. It's not going to be Campbell. And he, he's been more consistent. What's the cost of not putting your chips in and watching the prime of these players just waste away?
0: Oh, it's significant. It's definitely significant. McDavid's on pace for sixty-seven goals and one hundred and fifty-four points. You better go out and get this guy, man. If I'm McDavid, I'm like rolling into Ken Holland's office every single day, like, "What are you doing? Yeah, go
1: get us players, dude." Do you see what Tampa Bay and Toronto, who are playing each other in the first round, are giving up when it comes to draft capital? What is the Edmonton Oilers doing in a wide open West? Their draft picks for the next two well, years shouldn't mean anything for that Exactly, and,
0: and I think you just hit it on the head there, the wide-open West, where literally it's probably nine teams who could win the West. I don't think anyone would be surprised, but there's only one team that has Connor McDavid on it, and we saw what those guys did last year, McDavid and Dreissel in the playoffs, and I don't really see a reason in which they won't be able to do it again. But the goaltending, I mean, you mentioned it, Mike. I mean, Skinner, Campbell. Oh, man, that Campbell contract just looks horrendous right now. I mean, that's yeah. got to be a, a major concern. It's not that they can go out and trade for UC Sorrow. So, really, the only way that they can figure out something to do there is improving the D, which you hope could also improve the way that they
3: goaltend, right? Yeah, and the, the thing about the playoffs in the West, too, Like, I think Colorado's really starting to establish itself again right. as, as the player there, so, you know, that's scary, but... Come out of your division, you're in the conference final. That's the way that the playoffs are set up. And the Pacific, talk about goaltending, that's fine. So Vegas, you know, they've got injuries all over the place in that right now. But even when they don't, you're talking about Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. Um, Seattle, you're talking Grubauer, Martin Jones. L.A., you're talking Phoenix Copley and Jonathan Quick. (laughs)
4: Like,
3: Edmonton might not have the best goaltending. It sure doesn't have the worst in the Pacific. No kidding. So... Um, I, I think there's a real opportunity for them to win around, win probably two rounds um, if they if they do make some moves here. Then they are in the conference final again, and and that's where they were last year against Colorado. They weren't anywhere close to the Avalanche last year. I mean, Colorado spanked them, and, and they lost four games all playoffs. They won the cup, so so be it. But you know, again, whether it's a business side of things of winning a couple playoff rounds, what that means to a team uh obviously the the hockey side of it you're putting yourself in a position to to play to go to a cup final um and there's no guarantee that that Colorado gets out of the uh, the central either so yeah i don't know my my view on it is is chips in um and go for it
0: Amen. And I think that's what Dubas did. That's what Julian Brieswa did. And that's what Ken Holland should do. Remains to be seen if he ultimately will. Three o'clock, the trade deadline on TSN. Mike, thank you as always for doing this. Great to have you on the show. Let's do it again soon.
3: All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work.
1: You too, Mikey. Thank you very Take much. care, pal. Mike
0: Kelly from the NHL Network and Sport Logic. Yeah, man. In Edmonton. And we'll talk to Dustin Nielsen from TSN Radio in Edmonton tomorrow morning on the show. They must be freaking out. Freaking out. And maybe their, Ken Holland's approach, the GM there, his approach might work, right? Wait, wait, wait. And you might be able to pick up a couple pieces at a reduced price. Or maybe you missed out on all the pieces. Like, wouldn't Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty make a lot of sense for the Oilers? Well, it's just it's just
1: like CJ when we talked about him earlier today. It's just like... They are in such a bad cap situation that they're just trying to get out of it, but Toronto didn't have any great cap flexibility. Tampa didn't have any great cap flexibility. Boston didn't have any great cap flexibility, but they're all finding ways to make deals happen. It's your job as a GM and your job as your capologist, whatever you want to call him, to find a way to make it happen. And Mike Kelly said it best. You put Jacob Chickren in that lineup? You're not just doing it this year. You're doing it for the next two years because he's under contract for the next two years. So who cares what it costs to get him? Go out and get him because it makes your team better now.
2: Yeah, better now and in the future.
1: You want to go out and get Ekholm, a guy that's going to be more difficult to get because he makes more, and is going to be coming with a four-year contract instead of a two-year contract? Like, come on. It's... Very confusing. Uh, Maybe we'll figure out some stuff tomorrow ahead of the. And and everything. And everything I said about Darnell Nurse, like, go improve your defense. I think the first conversation you'd be having with your fans is go out and get Darnell Nurse to just play better. (laughs) better Snap. Honestly. Yeah. Because he's a way better player than what he's playing. But if if, if he's being asked to do everything on defense, then you wonder why he's not really playing like himself. Go out and get him help. Mike Rupp coming up in 40 minutes.
0: We'll continue this conversation with Rupper, also from the NHL Network, and Chuck Swirsky. Get out the salami and cheese, mama. This segment is over. He's up in about nice. uh, <laughs> 20 minutes' time. Uh, hour three. First Mike up, continues. Drops. Pretty good. Pretty good. We've got Chuck Swirsky and Mike Rupp coming up in the fourth hour of the program. Coco, I'm reading this story right now coming across my desk about Elon Musk, who is recruiting a team to develop a chat GPT alternative. Are you aware of chat GPT? No. What is that? So basically what that is, like this artificial intelligence, it's kind of like a website where you ask it a question, it's like, Hey, can you write a write a song for me about the Toronto Maple Leafs acquisition of Jake McCabe? Seriously, you could write that into chat g p t and this app i guess website artificial intelligence will be able to conjure up a song based on information about Jake McCabe readily found on the internet. It's wild technology. Come There's on. a lot of people who are, who, no, seriously, man, it's crazy. We're going to do that during the commercial break and we'll see what chat GPT will come up with for a Maple Leaf song or a Jake McCabe song in particular. But yeah, Elon Musk coming up with his own alternative. That's where all the money is in, uh, in the tech sphere these days is this artificial intelligence stuff. And, it is very fascinating. Like I wonder like if Cheese could type in like who are some good guests to discuss the Toronto Blue Jays? Like who would come up in that algorithm for Chat GPT? So many questions I have I want to answer on that. One. Cheese, why don't you guys start why don't you start working on that? For the top of the fourth hour of the program because I think there's something to be said about this artificial intelligence that could benefit first up and TSN ten fifty as a whole. We're gonna work So basically
1: this chat GPT is gonna be taking over technology and basically taking over everybody who works radio jobs.
0: (laughs) Radio jobs or any job, right? So it's like, you know, you want to return something to old navy. And you like, you know, talking to this bot, this our AI bot, and it's like, all right, and it just kind of figures out how to do it for you and eliminates the need for a customer service representative or whatever it is. But there's so many use cases for this. And, uh, yeah, if Elon Musk is developing an alternative, there's a couple of ones. There's one by Google, one by Microsoft, or at least sponsored by Microsoft. And, yeah, this is some fascinating stuff. We'll see how it translates to sports radio. We'll see what we can conjure up in the next man, couple of the future, of, the the future
1: years. of artificial intelligence, and obviously technology is scary, man. Like you, you talk about those robot, um, uh, robot dogs that they created, those robot humans that they created <laughs> to go fight wars and stuff like that. You haven't seen those videos?
0: Yeah, it's like uh, yeah, like Will Smith in iRobot.
1: iRobot.
0: That's what this. It it's unbelievable, future, man. What but... this
1: world is heading into, man. Un- unbelievable. Yeah,
0: it's uh, yeah, it's it's exciting and scary at the same time. And yeah, uh, man. You know, but perhaps, perhaps for our for our for our case. Or for our use, maybe we can come up with some good stuff for it. I did remember I talked to Duthie at your party on Friday about how the Rubber Boots podcast should do something with Chat GPT, but I may have been slurring my words at that point, so maybe he didn't understand <laughs> what I was saying. <laughs> Distinct possibility that he's like, "What is this absolute moron talking about?" Saying to me, yes. "Yeah, I have no idea what language he's speaking." But now I am sober, I am coherent, and I am fired up for the fourth hour of the program again. Swirsky. That's right. Chuck Swirsky, the man you know and you love. He's up in about 20 minutes. It's the Raptors and the Bulls on TSN 1050 tonight. Plus, Mike Rupp, longtime NHLer and the NHL Network. Those two coming up in hour four. First up, next.